Hello and welcome to the Digital Insight, the technology, procurement and supply chain podcast that delivers valuable C-level perspective into the core issues surrounding business transformation and digital disruption. Each episode will bring you the most inspiring executive insights from those who are leading transformation strategies within the world's biggest and best-known companies. The Digital Insight. Disrupt. Transform. Avon. Welcome to the Digital Insight, the official podcast series for Interface and CPO Strategy magazines. Today, we're joined by Steve Morgan, Partnership Director at Agilisys, who is here to discuss the post-COVID future of health and social care in the UK and how technology and big data can start to address and transform this sector. Thank you for joining us today, Steve. I mean, obviously, you know, COVID has affected everything and everyone, um, including every kind of industrial sector and, and as we mentioned, healthcare, social care. Um, and I guess also when you're looking at health and social care, COVID's also um, highlighting legacy problems, if you like, that were already there. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, I mean, dare, dare I say, one of the legacy problems that we've had since 2014, you know, with modifications to the Care Act, has been the whole piece around the integration of health and social care. Um, um, you know, I, I do feel that if more progress would have been made around that integration, then, you know, potentially the impact of coronavirus may not have been as bad as it would have been. Um, for instance, issues like discharge into care homes without being tested, which has gone between obviously, you know, um, acute health into social care. I don't believe that would have happened if there would have been more integration. And very briefly, because I know it's obviously it's, it's a massively complex um, topic, um, but looking at some of the the bigger challenges that the health and social care um, sector has faced um, during COVID. What, what, what kind of, what would you say the, the biggest uh, problems that certainly have inherently been there and which COVID has kind of amplified, if you like? Oh, that, that, that's probably a three-hour conversation, but let me try and be brief. Um, I mean, there are any number of challenges which have, have been um, emerging and, and progressively getting worse over the years. But what I would suggest is the biggest challenge that's going to face both health and social care is the aging of the population. Um, the you know we, we have seen you know the, the average age of, of the UK population you know growing over time. I mean one of the facts that you know I, I always find fascinating um, is children born in 2018, 25% of them, roughly, will live to be 100. Um, But against that, the healthy life expectancy is not keeping pace with life expectancy itself. So while we are going to have an aged population, then the chances are, in terms of, you know, some of the health, uh, various comorbidities that's going to affect that, that group of people are likely to get progressively worse offset that against the, if you look at the 18 to 24 year olds and the 24 to 30 year old demographic, then they're not projected to grow at all. And yet they are the people going to be the taxpayers of tomorrow 
who have to pay for the care of the, you know, the ever uh, aging elderly in the UK. But there's a whole three hour story that sits around that, you understand. Yeah. And, and obviously, um, having been through a few of your uh, reports on this subject, um, obviously, we've also, you know, got situations such as underfunding, haven't we? And you were saying earlier, um, a lack of joined up thinking and integration too. Um, so the, the challenges are quite stark, aren't they? No, very much so. Um, I mean, you may have seen in the news this week, um, I'll, I'll give you two examples of, of challenges which keep on emerging. Um, you will have seen in the news the, uh, the latest increase to the, the real or the national living wage. Um, if you look at the domiciliary care market, especially the private providers who operate on margins of around 9% at best, where 95% of, of their cost is labour, of which the vast majority are on, you know, minimum wage. You know, a 1% increase of the national minimum wage basically cuts the margins they operate on by about three quarters of a percent. Um, and that's been built on, on, you know, continually pressing, you know, the economics of care, you know, to the point where, you know, some real action is going to be required. And one, one other piece of, of the emerging news, which I picked up when I was listening to Radio 5 oh, a few weeks ago, um, where we're seeing a dramatic increase in the number of women who reach the age of 80 who are childless. Um, and you know, why does that matter? The, you know, if you look at the simple fact that the, the children of the elderly are the largest cohort of carers in the UK, you know, the informal care is, you know, about nine, ten billion pounds a year. The more people who reach that age without children, again, are going to put further pressure on the, you know, the care sector uh, and especially the public purse. And obviously this is this is leading to, um, you know, a greater need, isn't it, for, for, for some kind of solutions. And, and it seems to be uh, technologies ever increasingly looking to, you know, people are looking in that area to in order to address some of these concerns, aren't they? Oh, very much so. And, and, and I think the key message, Andrew, is we cannot deliver care in the way that we used to do, you know, but uh, going back into 2019. You know, the, the, the impact of the pandemic is still going to stay with us probably for another 12 months before, you know, we get to a position of any form of of safely having face-to-face -face contact with care workers. And that's why the obviously the use of technology, especially the most people who are most vulnerable and you know those who feel most isolated, has to play a part in going forward for two reasons. One of which is it connects the vulnerable in society, you know, back with family, friends, uh, uh, and other people who can help them, you know, with that level of isolation. You know, but secondly, what it does, it enables us to reduce the overall co you know, cost of care. And, and given, you know, we're not bankrupt yet, but, you know, we have some severe budget constraints that we'll need solutions for. Anywhere where we can reduce the cost of that care is, you know, would, would be warmly welcomed, I think. Um, what kind of work is Agilisys doing in this in this arena? So, so we, we we are looking at a number of areas because the um, obviously we're advising our customers at the moment in terms of of the approach to take. Um, 
a number of local authorities we have seen of late are coming to market for what they call technology enabled care, which is, you know, the use of intelligent devices within a home, you know, that people can use for, you know, to make contact with. Um, the advice we're actually giving people is you are asking the wrong question. The if we're going to, you know, fundamentally change the way care is delivered, then what we, we are advising people is there's a holistic view that needs to be taken across how the service operates, what the organizational structure is, what are the framework of technologies, given that there's no one single technology that will be able to meet the needs of all of the groups who will need assistance going forward. And so it's it's really a service redesign activity we are advising people through. Now, in addition to that, we are we we've built a framework of partners who use digital as a channel to deliver, you know, care services, and that's in the areas from you know again the basic connectivity with video connectivity, the ability to apply sensors, the ability to tie uh, clinical grade sensors in there for. Um, you know, health diagnostic also. We've also looked at how we manage almost the digital front door to that care service and how do local authorities and community health um, especially track and manage the needs of all of the um, the people who need support within those localities or those, you know, the ICSs, the integrated care systems. Um, I'm really starting to drive what's always been, uh, uh, you know, we've always said we want to put the person at the centre of care. It's this person-centric care. Uh, and we're really driving that model where the the support bubble that wraps around each individual is tailored according to, you know, their needs, their comorbidities. Um, <clears throat> but also in terms of, you know, what sort of support and volunteer and, and formal network of people and the roles they fill. Uh, around that individual where we can match the needs with the the group who provides that and driving almost a formal care provider to be uh, almost an exception where we require a face-to-face -face visit within the home now at the other end of that particular spectrum obviously we've been doing work around robotics and ai uh, and big data for quite a while we did a piece of work for barking and dagenham which have enabled them to, using predictive analytics, predict when people would present as homeless within the borough, you know, obviously to allow early intervention. We're now applying that same approach to, to data and AI, and it, this is still in development, but we feel confident that very soon we will be able to predict when, whether it's somebody who is in receipt of, let's say, for instance, a domiciliary care plan, may present into acute health or have a change in circumstances that would you know uh, move them into residential care and we're also looking at whether we will be able to predict those people who are not in receipt of any care plan at all but have presented you know to another pub a, a number of public sector services to say that you know some level of early intervention is required the key the key behind that and again you will know this is the average cost of an hour of domiciliary care uh, traditionally is £16.86 in the UK. Um, I don't know why I know these numbers. Um, if an individual presents and needs to be admitted into acute health, you know, with um, 
for instance, into a foundation trust, the minimum cost just for the bed is £400 a night. So the early intervention, A, keeps people happier and prevents long-term stays, you know, uh, post-admission, which are a major strain on the public purse. I mean, I've spoken to quite a few business leaders and people in the technology space who've kind of also talked about how COVID has also kind of represented so far, an air, uh, if you like, a, an era of mass acceleration in terms of innovation. Um, have you kind of found that COVID or are there any sort of learnings that, that you've made or agilities have made during this pandemic that you might be carrying forward? So I'm going to give you an answer which you may think is the wrong one. But the biggest change that we have seen by way of impact of the pandemic, which you know, I feel is a real opportunity, is the public sector is making decisions faster than I have ever seen before. And and a lot of the reasons why, um, and it's it's understandable, you know, if you look at central government, if you look at regional government, if you look at, you know, the Department of Health and Social Care, um, they tend to be, well, they are political in nature and therefore you know, bureaucracy does tend to get in the way of making decisions. All that seems to have gone, and people are making decisions based on information, as I say, in the shortest possible time frame. Now, that does two things. That enables us to rapidly deploy and agree on capability that, you know, we believe can make a difference. But secondly, and probably more importantly, and this is where the technology angle comes in, and especially working with innovative companies, making quick decisions means that you can fail fast. And, and fa- failing fast gives you good progress. I mean, in terms of uh, kind of where we are right now, um, what, what, what would you say, what, where are you sort of putting most of your attention at the moment? And that's kind of, you know, talking from sort of a journalist's point of view. I think I think most of the attention that we're playing at the moment, because I think the um, see we 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 are not an organisation who builds you know intelligent um, smartphone tablet type devices and puts them into homes. We focus in terms of transforming services. Now the biggest transformation for services in the UK has to be the true integration of health and social care and the creation of the integrated care systems that have been talked about for a a long while. Because that will give us a step change in terms of the overall delivery paradigm, not just a change in one element of technology. Now, if we think about the, you know, how that type of organization focused on all demands within a locality, can really start to, you know, embrace the, the, you know, the technology, you know, enhancements that have been made. Even if you look in some of the, you know, the synaptics, the knowledge learning, the Azure-based um, capabilities that Microsoft is coming to market with now, which really helps to drive insight when it comes to looking after, you know, individuals, uh, and especially vulnerable in- individuals within within those communities. So, you know, our, our focus is on helping the NHS and local government come together as those coherent organisations, you know, and helping with the transformational elements that, you know, that will be there. 
Um, that's, you know, the things like service design, target operating model, um, you know, some of the strategic things, you know, the digital strategy that enables the, um, the technology to support the business going forward as, as that joined up business. Uh, and, and personally, you know, I'm, if we can do it, and I don't see any reason why we can't, I think, you know, the, the benefit that we'd get as, as a population, you know, it'd be quite exciting to see that come together. And, and as we discussed earlier, I mean, some of these problems were going to be there anyway, weren't they, COVID or not? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. The, I mean, the, the, if, if, if COVID had not happened going back to, you know, January or February time, uh, my view, and, and I may be being cynical, is I don't believe we would be talking still about the integration of health and social care. We would have been talking about reducing the budgets for, you know, the NHS and reducing the uh, the precept and, and the funding provided to local government for social care. Um, it's it, it, the, the the pandemic has opened the purse strings, you know, to enable people to focus. But we do need to understand the there was, I think it, it was on the Northwest News. There were seven local authorities. This again, a month or so back. And the additional budget challenge that had been caused by COVID was three hundred and thirty-one million pounds across seven boroughs. So you know there are there are will be some stringent um, you know cuts to spend you know coming through. There has to be. And, and finally, in terms of Agilisys itself, where, where what kind of projects have you got sort of lined up in the in the future? Um, sort of looking a little bit beyond the current situation. Um, well, there's any number of projects. The um, one one of the areas which is which is in huge demand, and and, and we're doing a lot of work around, um, is the the exploitation of robotics. You know, RPA. Um, and how AI links within there. Um, and interestingly, the other area that we're really seeing focus for, and we've just recently created a whole new vertical, is again the whole, you know, the the data piece, the big data. But um, you know, one of the areas where we see some amazing uses of robotics, um, and I, I, I've given this example before. The the there is a view. Uh, and it needs some level of service design, which we're working through, is if you look in primary health care, and if you look at some of the, G well, if you look at any of the GP practices, they receive notices from the CCG around whether it be a change in drug selection for uh, certain illnesses, whether some drugs have been retired. Um, but it's basically almost like those, you know, like the recall notices you would tend to see from the uh, the motor industry. Um, there are thousands of these every year. These notices come into the GP practice. Somebody has to identify um, who has been prescribed all of those drugs, makes contact with them, changes of prescriptions, which a GP needs you know, to sign off on, uh, communicate, you know, prescribe, um, and then close those off and issue the statutory notice back to the CCG that all of that has been you know, accomplished. Huge amount of administrative overhead when the GP practice should be you know, focused on delivery of primary, primary health care. Robotics in the middle of that would automate the entire process from start to finish. 
So a process that may take weeks to complete using the manual labor within the practice can be completed within a few days with no manual intervention whatsoever. Um, and that is the future for, for robotics and healthcare, which is you know, removing any of the human element, element, which adds no value whatsoever, and allowing the humans to provide the human contact in terms of care. And I guess also um, 5G, to some extent, is going to be opening up quite a few areas in, in uh, medical treatment as well, isn't it? Well, it, it, it is. Um, and it's, it, this is, it's, um, it's actually it's a very topical point um, uh, in com conversations with NHSX and where they're looking at the remote monitoring capability and uh, the, most of the NHS regions have come back with a plan where that's focusing on uh, in, within care homes, obviously because of some of the challenges we've seen in care homes. Um, but people seem to be blissfully unaware that there were 25% of the residential care homes that had no network capability whatsoever. So, you know, rather than starting with, you know, the third base, we need to start at first base. But things like 5G, um, I mean, one of our local go government customers, for instance, is um, North Somerset Council. Um, and North Somerset is one of those boroughs which has, you know, there's urban, there's semi-urban, semi-rural and very rural locations. So having one single technology solution that requires some level of networking or internet access is very difficult for somewhere like North Somerset. And we were delighted to see that the government has, I think they're contributing £100 million to the full deployment of fast broadband services, which is going to help with some of the challenges that we see in North Somerset. But you're absolutely right, 5G. 5G could be a game changer. I, th I think there's... The one, the one point I would always go back to, um, and I think this this is part of where we we talk about you know the the opportunities. You know, if we can change the way that care is delivered, right, and work across organisations, um, I'll probably leave you with some simple mathematics, which is where I mentioned earlier that the domiciliary care is on average in the UK £16.86 per hour. People would typically have two half hour to 15 minute um, care visits per day. Most people would have um, seven days a week, but slightly reduced um, over the weekend. If we were able for, let's say, for instance, if there were two and a half thousand people in receipt of a care plan within um, a local authority borough and we were able to displace less than 50% of that um, formal attended care for those 2,500 people, the net savings could be as big as £10 million a year with an improvement in service. Uh, and given the parlour state you know, of some of the finances, um, you know, and recognising that, you know, we need to look after the people in the best way possible. You know, I, th I think that is a strong message to give people that, you know, there are opportunities if we can all work together and we can design, you know, the services and the transformational solutions that help us achieve that.
Thank you for listening to the Digital Insight Podcast in association with theinterface.net and cposstrategy.com. The Digital Insight is brought to you by B2E Media Limited. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe, rate and review. And don't forget to check out our podcast archive at www.b2e-media.com forward slash the digital insight. Thank you.